All right, well, it looks like it is one o'clock, so we will go ahead and get started. So, hey, welcome to the March 2020 meeting for the Google Educator Group of Ohio. This is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in G Suite from the last month, share Google tips and tricks, and answer questions related to using Google tools in schools. Uh, my name is Eric Kurtz, and I am a technology integration specialist at the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium, or SPARC for short. We're an information technology center serving schools up in Northeast Ohio. And as always, I am joined by Stephanie. Stephanie, why don't you introduce yourself as well? Hey, everyone. Stephanie Howe here. I'm with Pickerington Local School District. Um, it's been a crazy morning helping my teachers with distance learning. I'm sure it is for most of you. And I see we have some new people joining in because you're usually teaching at this time. So I'm so glad you could join us today. Um, but yeah, I'm an instructional technology coordinator for Pickerington Local School District. And I help students and teachers use technology. Um, so again, I'm so glad everybody could make it. And we have a third uh, person with us today. We don't always get to have a, a guest with us, but uh, sometimes we do. And we are uh, thrilled to have Meredith with us today. Meredith, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, so much for having me. I'm Meredith Akers. I am principal at Rennell Elementary School, which is pre-K through fifth grade in Cypress, Texas. Um, and it's a, it's a big elementary school. We have over 1,100 students at Rennell. And I blog at MeredithAkers.com, and I'm so excited to join. Thanks for having me. Oh, we, we are so thrilled to have you, Meredith. If you guys don't know Meredith, you'll get uh, a chance to get to know her better throughout the meeting, especially when we get to the show and tell section to have some spots uh, for her to share some resources there. But I'll just let you know ahead of time, if you don't follow Meredith, you got to follow, follow Meredith. Uh, her blog is fantastic. She is calm information on ways to use Google tools, but also just technology in general in, in the classroom. And the thing I can always say is anything she shares, it's always just so well put together and so professional and so just so creative. Um, and uh, I, it's always a, a an absolute go to. Um, so uh, if you don't know Meredith, you're going to know her now. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that Meredith can be with us here today. Um, so and if you didn't catch, Meredith is from Texas. Uh, so uh, even though this is the Google Educator Group of Ohio, eh, this group is open to anyone and everyone. We've always made, made a point of that. So um, wherever you're from, from Ohio or outside of Ohio, um, we're just happy that you guys can all join us here today. All of the resources for today's meeting can be found at uh, can be found in our Google Doc editable agenda, which is located on the GEG Ohio website. If you haven't brought this up yet, please head over to bit.ly slash GEG Ohio, and that's where you can find a link to this uh, agenda document. My guess is most folks are in that, but if you have um, just joined into the live stream and don't have that document up, or if you're watching the recording later and don't have the document, head to bit.ly slash GEG Ohio, and once you get to the GEG Ohio website, uh, there's a link here for monthly meetings. If you head into the monthly meetings link, that's where you'll see the uh, table with all of the different uh, dates for the meetings. Here's today's March 31st, and there you'll see the agenda link um, in the agenda column. That will get you into that document. This is an editable document, so please do feel free to um, add things to this document. You can type right in it, or you can leave comments. Probably some of the good spots to um, include some things would be down 
down in the Q&A section if you've got any questions for the group or answers. <laughs> so if you've got some A's to go with the Q's, feel free to put those in as well. And with show and tell, there's a section near the bottom there where you can add in any awesome resources or ideas that you would like to share with the community. And of course, in addition, you can leave comments in the um, live YouTube chat for the meeting as well. With that said, let's go jump into this agenda and get started. So we already did the uh, welcome and introductions that got taken care of. For the important links, the only one I'm gonna mention so when I mention every time, which is the sign-in form, uh, Google does ask um, that we uh, take attendance for these GEG meetings. And so you'll see if you scroll down to the section on important links, highlighted in green, there is a link to a Google form to sign in for the meeting. It'll be for your first name, last name, email address, your school district, the date of the meeting, which of course is today's, um, and whether or not this is the first time you've ever attended one of our GEG Ohio uh, meetings. Um, I, we collect this information for two reasons. One is I use it to generate a certificate of attendance to send to you. So you'll get a PDF certificate of attendance generated and sent uh, probably later on tonight. Um, but then I also use this to report numbers to Google. I don't send in your uh, information. So we don't give anybody's email address out or anything like that. But we do give them numbers because they like to know how many people are attending different uh, uh, GEGs um, around the world. So thanks. Um, the other important link in there, there I'll let Stephanie mention, and that is about the podcast. Stephanie, do you want to mention about that? Yeah, real quick while I'm doing that, Eric, can you post the agenda link into YouTube? Um, I'm not able to post links for some reason. Only sure I think thing. the host can do it. So a couple of people were asking for that. Right. It's also on Twitter if anybody Just needs it. Just did it. There it is. Yes, thanks. Yeah. Yes. So we do have a podcast. Um, a podcast is there just for people that kind of like to multitask like I do all the time. Um, so our podcast is available. You can find it pretty much on any podcast. Um, and we just post our entire um, agenda of what we've talked about and all of that kind of stuff. So it's the entire meeting. Um, some of the links you might want to look at. So that's why we do post the notes as well. That way you can go in and relook. Fantastic. And thanks for doing that uh, for each meeting. All right. Uh, next up, uh, the next section is updates. We'll just touch this really quickly. We have two main ways for you guys to stay in touch with us in between meetings. Uh, the main is our GEG Ohio Google group. And so this is an email distribution group. There are directions here for how to join that group. We've got several hundred people in that group and would encourage you to sign up to be a part of that email distribution group. We do still have the older Google Plus community that we started with when we first began GEG Ohio. When Google made some changes to Google Plus though, you no longer can use uh, school, um, oh, I'm sorry, you, you no longer can use personal um, accounts with uh, Google Plus. You have to use educational accounts and some schools block Google Plus. And so because of that, it cut out a lot of people who, you know, were, were no longer able to be a part of it. So we still have that community. It still exists. But that's why we moved over to the email distribution group instead, because that way everybody can take part in that. So if you haven't joined, that would encourage you to join our um, email distribution group to stay in the loop in between our meetings. All right, next up are some upcoming 
And like we said, I, I don't know. <laughs> we, there's a lot of them that unfortunately have gotten canceled, uh, such as the Ohio Google Summit that uh, um, is such a wonderful event every year. Unfortunately, we did get the news that that had been canceled. Um, the uh, only thing I'll mention in here, and then Stephanie, if there's some in here that you know about and would like to talk about, uh, please do. But I will say that as far as we know, um, our Spark Conference that I do here for my job is still on. It's uh, August 7th. We always do that the first Friday of um, August um, to kick off a new school year. And so the Spark Conference is held here in North Canton, Ohio. It's a totally free conference. Um, and uh, we usually get about 600, 600 and some people attending. Um, we'll have about 90 or so sessions throughout the day. The call for proposals is open. Um, I know with everything else going on, it's easy for things like this to get lost in the shuffle. So I just want to get that on everybody's radar that please do consider submitting a proposal. If you head out over to the uh, website for the Spark Conference, you will see the call for proposals form is linked in right there on the homepage of that conference uh, site. Stephanie, anything you would like to add or yeah. mention? Um, a couple people um, go to ISTE or might not go to ISTE. ISTE has not been canceled. It's just been postponed. Um, so if you are following the hashtag not at ISTE, it will not be during June. I'm sure somebody will come up with something, though, during that time. Um, so I just wanted to call that out. Also, the global GEG staff room, it's towards um, the bottom of Eric's screen. This has been amazing. Um, so a couple local, uh, global GEGs have partnered up. Um, Ohio, we've been partnered up with um, the UK, California. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some. So a bit, if you could add that in the chat, that'd be fantastic. But it is just a way to kind of come together and brainstorm ways to work this distance learning thing out. Um, it's been amazing. I've gone to a ton of this different session so you can sign up and then if not, if you miss the sign up, you can also join there. They're on Sunday, Tuesday and Thursdays at different times to meet the different um, time zones since it is a global group. And again, it's just a time to come in. There's time to vent if you need to just vent about different things that are going on. There's time to brainstorm if you need like help with Google Meet. That was a big topic. So we kind of came up with different extensions to help. And I'm going to share some of those that I've learned through the staff room. But it's just a really great community. So I highly, highly suggest you guys join. And again, it's all online. You can join from your PJs, um, however you want to. And I think there will be a lot of different conferences that will be online too, or moving towards that direction. <laughs> That is fantastic. Thank you for highlighting that. There's just, it's like, like you said, it's like a fire hose. There's so much stuff happening that it's easy to miss some of these things. So I appreciate you highlighting that um, and giving it, um, you know, the, 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 um, the info it, the, the giving us the info that we need to be able to plug into that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it so looks like um, someone's adding to the time. So everybody knows when they are. Love it. All right. And again, this is an edible document, so please do exactly that. <laughs> if there's anything you guys need to add to here that we do not know of, I do see that OcaliCon call for proposals due tonight at midnight. Somebody has added that in. So thank you for doing that. Awesome. Well, let's keep on moving down uh, the line here. Our, our next um, topic is one of the uh, 
major portions of our meeting each month, and that is, hey, what's new in Google? What, what happened since our last meeting? Well, it turns out we did not have a February meeting, and so this one's going to cover two months, February and March. Uh, February was just really busy with lots and lots of conferences. We had our Ohio Tech conference, and so we did a meetup there instead. So GEG Ohio happened in February. It just was a meetup <laughs> instead, and we had a really nice time together uh, down there in Columbus. Um, now, we're not going to go through every single one of these um, items, some that seemed to be uh, important to kind of jump out. They're all important, but the ones that sort of jumped out to us. Having said that, if there's something that Stephanie or I skip over that you are interested in, the links are all here. You can absolutely investigate these on your own, but feel free to ask a question um, or leave a comment if there's something you do want us to address here. So um, I will go ahead and kick this off and then we'll just ping pong back and forth. We'll uh, just uh, trade trade on and off and Stephanie and I can talk about each one of these. Um, the first one that I was going to mention is one that made me kind of sad because it's been part of my hipster Google session for many, many years. And that is Google has shut down Androidify. Now, I don't know if you guys even know what that was, <laughs> you know, and if not, oh, okay. But it was this cool website and mobile app that allowed you to make these little uh, avatar figures. Now, they didn't have to look just like the Android character, uh, you could you could make them look differently. You could change, you know, their height and, and you could, you know, uh, give them hair and do all sorts of things like that. But the point was you could create these little avatar characters. So whether you were making one for yourself or maybe it was for students to make one for characters from a story or historical, you know, characters, well, unfortunately, it, it is it is gone. Now, if you um, if you installed the app ahead of time, I believe you can still use it because I did have it on my phone and it was still opening up on my phone, but it's no longer available for download and the website is gone now. So it happens every now and then the Google graveyard gets another tombstone added and Androidify has been, has been added to that list. So just heads up in case you've got a lesson plan that uses that, I would hate for you to get caught off guard and suddenly you're like, oh no, it's not working anymore. So just heads up that that is, that is gone. That's really right. sad. Yeah. Um, so the next one is editing for Google Sites. So again, Google Sites has been making a ton of updates and this just makes it faster. So it's just a settings menu. Um, looks a little bit different once Eric pulls it up. Yeah. And so it just kind of has this, oh, there we go. It has this nice little view um, where before, you know, it wasn't as friendly. And something to show you guys under here. Let's see if it pops up again. Um, I wanted to point out, I think it was the brand image. So adding yeah. like that favicon yeah. is really simple to do. And sometimes that's really nice to do. At least for me, when I use my bookmarks, I take off the name of it and I just have the icon. Um, and there was, I think I was talking with one of my friends and he was like, I don't even save websites if they don't have the favicon. So yeah. that might be something that you want to add for your sites just so it adds that quick look in your bookmarks. Love it. Yeah. So a lot of these features, they were elsewhere in sites and now they're just all nicely organized in this, uh, in the settings option that pops up and, uh, yeah, under brand images, that's where you can set the, the favicon icon. So very nice. Good stuff. All right. Let's see what's up next here. Um, this next one uh, deals with Google Meet 
Uh, and since a lot of people are now using video conferencing, uh, might be Zoom like we're using right now, or Google Meet, as many schools are using as well, um, this could be beneficial for you. Now, this is an admin tool. So just heads up, this is for your, your uh, G Suite administrators. But there is a Meet quality tool that got rolled out. And um, I'll just use the picture they have in the blog post. I won't open up mine because I've got real names in mine. This is, you know, so I won't go to my live site. This is just their screenshot of it. But the idea is from the, um, for administrators, we can follow this link to go out to the Meet quality tool. And when you get there, um, it'll show you all of the Google Meets that have been held in your domain. And now in this case, we've zoomed into a specific meeting. Again, this is just pretend data here that they put out here for us. Uh, but what you can see is everybody who participated, it'll list out all the participants. It'll show you the times that they were in the meeting and whether or not they got disconnected, whether they reconnected, how they joined, um, activities such as screen sharing, all of this could become really valuable if you find out that there's a teacher using Google Meet and something went wrong or there was a problem <clears throat> or there was a question about, well, you know, who was actually in the Meet or did they stay, or, you know. Um, so just heads up, this is some really nice analytical information that your um, G Suite admins can dig into if you've got some questions about Google Meet. Yeah, a lot of use in Google Meet right now, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, so the next one is Smart Compose on the list. Yes. And this is not available for um, G Suite for Education. Who knows if they'll roll it out eventually. I'm kind it looks of like we do have do. a beta. We do have a beta okay. for it, but you're right. It is, you are correct. This is, this is not for G Suite for Education yet, but there's a beta. So yeah, tell yeah. us about what this and is. And I know before we've gotten into, I think it was spell check or something, mm -hmm. where do we turn it, you know, do we allow it? Do we not allow it? And I think this will be kind of that same thing for English teachers. Do we allow the Smart Compose? I know we have it in email. I use it all the time. Um, it's such a time saver. So I'm kind of hoping it comes just because it would help me save more time. Um, and again, it, you just start typing and then it gives you suggestions as to what you could say, and then you just hit tab and it will add those words to your Google Doc. So just like the Gmail, if anybody else uses that, um, it's gonna work very similar. Yeah, and I remember, boy, it's been months ago when they first announced this was coming, there was a bit of controversy, a lot of folks questioning, well, so how much help is it giving? Are we getting to a point where is the student not writing? Are they co-writing with the AI? Well, from what I can tell, it does not look like it's that much that it's going to, it's not going to, it's not like you could type in George Washington and then start hitting tab, 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 and it fills in an entire essay for you. <laughs> so it's not like that, but it's more of if it thinks it can finish, you know, a phrase you're in the middle of or something like that. So I think I feel more comfortable seeing it now that it doesn't look like it's going to write the paper for you. Um, but Right now, it is just in beta for, um, for schools, um, not available just yet. And the same thing with autocorrect. That is also not available yet for G Suite for Education in Google Docs, maybe because of those concerns. Maybe they're just trying to pilot it a little bit through the beta program and see if it creates any issues. Neat. All right. Well, next down in our news, um, if you're looking for a Gmail message and having a hard time finding it, 
what you're looking for. Um, Google has added what they're calling search chips. I always wondered what to call those things. And I guess that must be the official name, search chips. Uh, so here's the idea. If you go in and you are searching for an email message and you put in somebody's name or whatever you're searching for, in addition to getting all of the messages that would match that, you get these little teeny boxes below the search box that allow you to filter things down and say, uh, just from a certain person or a certain time or that only has an attachment or things like that, just to uh, help, again, to narrow down um, the amount of results you get and hopefully find what you're looking for faster. So nice update to Gmail there. Yeah, that is a nice update. Anything that makes anything faster is oh, always yeah. a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's keep on going. What I do think we have we're into year? March. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, if there's anything we skipped in February that people care about, check out the links or let us know and we'll circle back around. But yeah, big stuff in March. What do we have here? Um, so the first one is Google Meets. So with the coronavirus, they have opened up Google Meets, the enterprise version to everybody. Um, so it allows you to record messages. It allows more users to be in it. I think it's like 250, right? 250, yes. Um, and then allowing more views too. And then it records right to Google Drive and then you can share that video out with others. Um, so again, this is really helpful for opening that up when we use it. Yeah, boy, I tell you, the, the ability to record the meetings, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that has broken my heart with the change with Hangouts and with Meet over time was that, you know, we, well, that's what we used to use. We used to use Hangouts on air and we could record, you know, our meetings very easily with that. And uh, that changed, um, you know, about almost, almost a year ago now, uh, not, not quite, but uh, it's been a while. And um, having this feature enabled uh, is fantastic. Um, I hope, Fingers crossed that Google realizes how valuable this is for schools and maybe they just don't turn this off. <laughs> maybe they let us just keep doing this. And, you know, I guess it's for a number of reasons. You, you think about, you know, one, it could be, hey, I just want to record the, the Google Meet because not every student can maybe join the live session. You know, and so this way I can do a lesson, I can teach my students, I can record it and they can watch it later. Or maybe I'm not even having the students in the meeting. Maybe I'm doing a meeting of one and I'm doing it to record a lesson. And I just am using it, you know, like I would use Screencastify and I'm just recording my lesson. But there's another thing that kind of pops up here. And I don't know if, if Stephanie or Meredith, if you guys have thoughts on this, because now we're talking about the reality of really using this with kids. The idea of recording a meeting in case something goes sideways during the meeting, in case something goes wrong, like if you have a bunch of students in the meet with you and you're doing a remote lesson with them and somebody says something inappropriate or, you know, um, or, yeah. you know, or heaven forbid, think about, think about the analog world where we're not doing technology. If you say, oh, I'm a teacher and I need to meet with a student to help them. Well, we're usually told don't meet just one-on-one -on -one with a student. Have, have somebody else there. Don't, don't meet alone with a student. Well, same thing with Google Meet. You know, you jump on a video conference with a student. Is it in our best interest to be recording all of those things so that we're not, so that the, the, the recording is the third person in, in the room, you know? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Um, I was not in a call, but somebody from the GEG um, staff room that 
we talked about earlier, that event that is ongoing during this time, they, I think they brought up that they were in a spec ed meeting and the attorney said, do not record mm. to their staff members. Um, I don't know if that was just spec ed and I don't know where they were from in the world because it could be different depending on where you're at and what your state requirements are. Um, but they were just saying that if it got out or anything like that, but you do have to be kind of careful. I think too, like in the Google meet, it says, make sure everybody agrees that you can be recorded. Uh, I don't know right. if you've seen that message yep. before, yep. Eric. That is correct. As soon so, as you hit recording, it says, make sure that you have, yes, that everybody here is, yeah. has given permission to, yes. And so, I mean, I think you know your students. So if there is a kid, maybe invite the principal in or a family that you know is not good to be with one-on-one. -on -one. So just invite another teacher on that call or something like that. Um, so I don't know. Well, and it sounds to me like this may open up some adjustments to um, acceptable use policies. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. schools have students signing, whatever you call it, it's AUP or AUG, we got different names for them. Um, but um, right now, we try to word them as broadly as possible to cover, you know, almost anything that we do with technology. Maybe this has to be explicitly included in future acceptable use policies or tech agreements or whatever that parents sign for their students to say that if they participate in online meetings, that the school has the right to record those, you know. Um, now, of course, we're not talking about recording it and posting it on the internet, you know. We're not mentioning that. We're, we're saying like recording it to my drive so that, hey, there was a question about that meeting. Well, let's go to the tape and let's see, you know, what actually was said during that meeting or or, you know, if, if somebody did something inappropriate or whatever the case might be. Um, I, yeah, I definitely don't have the answer to that. It was more of me wanting to throw this out to the group and see if these discussions have come up with other folks and what sort of points have started to be raised. And Stephanie, those are really great points you mentioned. Yeah. And then in our chat, Oh, go ahead, Meredith. I'm sorry about that. I was going to share in, in my district right now, we have been using, um, because we still need to have, even though we're out of school, we still need to have IEP meetings. And so we have been using Zoom um, for our IEP meetings with parent permission. You know, of course, we don't, the parents are the ones in there. So we talk to them about it first, but we've recorded all of those meetings so that the parents have access to that again. We have access to that again, but that's with parents. But so far, all of our parents have said, yeah, that would be great. Let's do the Zoom meeting because we we still want to do what's best for our kid and adjust their plan so that it works while they're at home. Um, and then additionally, I will say that a lot of our teachers, you know, in the past, we have some students that in the past, their parents have checked off, you know, I don't want my child recorded at school. I don't want, like you were saying, Eric, and now we've kind of had to make some adjustments and we've had parents write in, but I want my child to be included in the class Zoom. And so that's lots of parents are updating because of the situation we're in. Um, and I'm hopeful that once those parents that were nervous about it see some benefits that maybe they will see, I think will change because of this. We will, we may be doing some things even when we go back to school differently. We may be recording lessons. I have a teacher that always, um, when she teaches something new in math, would turn on her hover cam, her document camera, and record her lesson. And she was very worried about, sometimes I say students' names though, can I post it to my, um, my website so that students and parents can follow up later. And we were worried about that FERPA of, okay, she called on a student and she said, you know, Karen, is Karen's mom going to be okay with that? 
And so basically for her class, we just presented it to her parents and said, parents, are you okay with students' names being mentioned? And every single parent said yes, because we want those videos to access later. So I think it's just being transparent with your families and students and making sure parents and students are aware of what's being recorded and where it's gonna be put. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that you've probably got to check with your building admin if you are a teacher. Um, I mean, I can even see this like helping with school, like a student that's really sick and in the hospital, this could be a really good tool for them to not miss instruction. Um, also for students that have behavior issues and they need to be out of the classroom in the office just for a little bit, they could be watching the lesson live as they're you know, talking. So I really hope this distance learning thing um, kind of works with us for our benefit in the long run. And it's not just like a short time thing that we learn the tools and then we're not going to use them. Um, uh, real I am quick. Seeing, oh, go ahead. Ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I am seeing a lot of questions also pop yes. up in the chat That's about the, the administration end of things. And so I know <laughs> people watching, not everybody here, um, are G Suite admins. Um, so this may not apply to you, um, but it applies to your district. Uh, I do want to take a moment to at least mention where these settings are in the admin console. Um, is, the, uh, is my admin console coming up on the screen okay for you guys? Yes. Okay, good. So what I'm going to do is in the admin console, I'm going to head into the apps section and then I'm going to go to the core G Suite services. Um, because what you'll see is that in there, Google uh, Hangouts Meet is a core service. Um, and so a couple of things that I think we want to mention about this, um, and I can zoom in a little bit if I need to here. I don't know if this is large enough for people to see. I'll zoom in a little bit, make it a little bit bigger there for you to see. Okay. Um, first thing is we, all, we would want to make sure that Hangouts Meet is turned on so that people could access it. So, you know, that's obviously step one is once you drill into your core suites, make sure you've got it turned on and also make sure it's turned on for everybody if you want everybody to be able to use it. So sometimes folks have said, oh, we turned it on, but we, oh, we only turned it on for our teachers. We didn't think about the kids because we just thought maybe a teacher would use it for a meeting or something. And now we need our students to be able to connect as well. So you might have to revisit this and go in and make sure you have it turned on for everybody, not just for some users. Having said that, once you drill down into the actual settings for Hangout Meet, um, and you come into, let's say, like the, the, the meet settings here. So I'll go ahead and click on the meet settings. There are a lot of granular settings, but what's really important is that these can be applied to each of your organizational units separately. So you do not have to have the same features for your students that you have for your teachers. Yes, you need to turn on Google Meet. So at that earlier higher level when I was back up here, yes, I need to turn on Google Meet for everybody so that the kids can join, but that doesn't mean the students should be able to do everything in a Google Meet. So let's go into the meet settings. What I could do is I could go down and I could just choose, you know, my, my student, I'll pick an organizational unit called training as an example over here. But let's say I had a student's organizational unit. I could do that. And then I could come in here and say, you know what? I don't want my students to be able to record meetings. So I'm going to click on the, you know, I'm clicking on training here, but let's pretend it's a student's organizational unit that has all my student accounts in it. I could say, you know what? I'm going to come in and I'm going to change that to uh, not let them record and I'm going to click override 
And so now anybody who's in that training um, organizational unit, or in this case, like students, for example, you know, they now are not allowed to record uh, meetings or go down further. How about letting users place video and voice calls? What if you want students to be able to join a Google Meet, but not actually be allowed to start their own Google Meets. Well, that's the idea there too. So I had turned this off earlier as I was demonstrating this for somebody else. Uh, so that's why it's already unchecked. Normally that would be checked, um, but you could come in here and you could you know, check or uncheck that and say, okay, so the students can join a video call, but they can't make their own. They can't start a new Google Meet. Um, you know, same thing with, um, you know, live streaming. And we can talk about that if people aren't sure what live streaming means versus what a normal Google Meet is. Um, but I think that's a key thing to realize is your, your, your admins will need to dig down into these settings and by organizational unit, turn these things on or off. Um, and then um, if you don't have your groups set up in your organizational units, that is something you may need to do as well, which that, that's just, that's good practice normally is to have as many different organizational units set up as you can to break out staff from students and then to break the students down by graduation year so that you can apply different settings for kindergartners versus seniors, for example. But um, just wanted to at least take a moment and mention that so people could see where all of that stuff is at. Um, as far as live streaming, so the idea behind live streaming is um, it's what we're it's what we're doing right now with Zoom. It, it's 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 really the exact same thing. So um, with a Hangout Meet, I can start up a meet and then I can invite people to join the actual meet. So the analog to that is what Stephanie and Meredith are doing right now. They're in this Zoom meeting with me. They're actually in the meeting with me. So that's a normal Google Meet. I can give people. Um, a link. I can give them a 10-letter code. I can give them a meeting nickname. I can send them a calendar invite, whatever. All those options work. And they can actually get inside of the meeting with me and I can see them. They can see me. They can talk just like Meredith and Stephanie are doing in the Zoom meeting. Streaming is what we're basically doing with everybody else right now. Everybody who's watching this on YouTube live, you're getting it streamed to you. Well, you can do the same thing with Hangouts. With Hangouts, you can also stream your meetings. Now, the way that works, um, let me show you, see if I can, um, I don't know if I can show you an easy one here. Uh, tell you what, let me, um, I'll go ahead and turn this back on. I'll probably just use one of my, um, I'll use one of my training accounts to be able to, to show you how you set it up because it is a little circuitous. You don't just, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a button you're going to just see um, inside of your Hangouts Meet right away. Um, I'll show you where that's at. So let me go ahead and I'll just turn this stuff back on for my uh, training um, account and tell you what, let me bring up my test user because he's sitting in a training account. So we'll pull him up. And we'll go into the calendar for my test user. And let's say that my test user wants to um, create a, uh, a meeting. So we'll go ahead and create a meeting here. And um, we're going to add uh, Hangouts Meet to it. So we're going to go ahead and hang, excuse me, add a Hangouts Meet to that. So what I've done is I've created a meeting for three o'clock today and I went ahead and clicked that I wanted to add a Hangout Meet to it. If I go ahead and save that meeting, and then if I go back in to edit that, and if I click on the little down arrow below 
or to the right of the Hangouts Meet. Now notice, this is after I've saved it. This doesn't happen when you're first creating it. Create it like normal, give it a title, give it, add the, add the Hangouts Meet, just save it like normal. When you go back into it and you go to re-edit it, if you click on the little down arrow next to Join Hangouts Meet, you'll see Add Live Stream. Now again, that's only there if you've turned on the ability to do live streaming. So if I click Add Live Stream, it's now creating a second unique uh, link. And so now I can copy this link here. It's this stream link. And that is the link I would give to people that I just want to have them watching the Hangout Meet. They're not going to be in it. They can't speak. I can't see them. They're not part of the actual video conference. They're just going to watch the live stream. So I have one link to let people join the Meet. And I have a separate link to let people view the live stream. Um, so that's, that's what live streaming is. The important thing to note about it, though, <clears throat> is live streaming is only within your domain. So that is limited compared to like with Zoom right now. What I'm doing is I'm piping this out to my YouTube channel so anybody can watch it. This live stream is within your domain. So do keep that in mind. It would have to be your students or other people in your domain. So I hope that makes sense. I know we got off on a little bit of a couple of tangents there, but they're all, I think, really important, especially with what we're dealing with right now with COVID-19 and all. But I'll pause there for a second if there's any questions or comments or you know, Meredith, Stephanie, you want to add something to that or if you saw a question pop up. Yeah, make sure if you do want more features, um, you provide feedback. A lot of people are complaining that they want features, but they're not leaving the feedback. And Google really is looking at that. As you um, could see that they updated um, Google Meet based on user feedback and they did it really quickly. So the more people that do it and ask for it, the more likely they will listen and improve the G Suite community. Um, with the live stream, there is no chat enabled. Um, the kids can't see the chat, they can't talk with you. So what you would have to do is like Google Q&A, um, you could open up a Google Doc and do it that way. Um, other, you would have to have a workaround. There's no way to have a chat within live streaming. And again, it has to be your domain. Um, we, me and Abid tried this the hard way and we were like, it's not working, what are we doing wrong? It's because we're in different domains. So make sure your kids are under your domain, which is a good thing because if they share that link, you won't get anybody from outside the district joining in. But again, if you want that feature, just ask Google for it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with the meet. I think that's it. Well, while we're talking about it, we might as well go ahead and jump down to, um, we'll just go out of order because it's, it is related to it. Um, a few weeks after that post, that was the March 3rd post, um, they had did another blog post talking about improvements that they had added to Google Meet. Um, and those included things like only the meeting creator or calendar owner can mute or remove participants in a meeting. Uh, so that got added. So if I'm a teacher and I create the meet or I create it as a calendar uh, event and I add it to there because I'm the one who created it, um, I'm the only one who can mute or remove participants. So when the students join, a student can't mute the teacher. <laughs> a student can't mute another student or can't mute or can't remove somebody from the meeting. Meet um, used to be a lot more open <laughs> and pretty much anybody could mute people and stuff. Well, and that made sense because they were some, you know, and I get that, you know, let's say I'm the one who's doing 
you know, a presentation and I'm focusing on what I'm presenting, but somebody else has unmuted their mic and they're making noise rather than me take the time to say, okay, let me take a break. Let me go over to the meet settings. Let me mute that person. I can just keep presenting and somebody else could kind of, you know, help me out, you know, and mute somebody who, you know, didn't realize their mic was, was, uh, was unmuted. Well, they have tightened the screws on that now, and this is for, it's for the best. Uh, so now only meeting creators or calendar owners can mute and remove people in the meeting. And then this other one, I need to check it again. It had not rolled out the last time I tried it. I tried this a couple days ago, and then I tried it again um, um, just recently, but I haven't tried it today and I don't think I tried it yesterday. So I'm not sure if it's made it out to my domain yet. Uh, but this is a really important one that, um, if you use a nickname when you're creating a meeting. Okay, so if you don't know what a, a nickname is, the idea is if I head out to Google Meet and I say that I want to create a meeting, I then a nick I can give it a name like you know Kurt's meeting or something like that. I can I can give it a um, a, a nickname. If I don't give it a nickname then you'll have to use other methods to connect like using the link or the 10 letter code or the calendar invite or whatever. But if I use a nickname, if I type in a nickname there when I create my meeting, um, then there's a new feature that's attached to nicknamed meetings. And that is that once the final participant has left, meeting participants cannot rejoin. So here's the idea. If I'm teaching and I've got a class full of students, maybe I don't want the students jumping back in the meeting later and talking and you know, with each other because I'm not there anymore. Now, hey, there's a million ways for them to talk to each other and that's wonderful and they should do that, but maybe we don't want them doing it through our school provided, you know, Google Meet. <laughs> Let them connect through their own apps <laughs> and their own methods and rather than using the school provided Google Meet. So the idea is what you could do is you could at the end of your session, wait for all the students to leave Say, okay, guys, we're done. Bye. And if they don't leave, you can boot them. <laughs> you can just remove them. But once everybody's out of the meeting, once you hang up, if you did it as a nicknamed meeting, then they can't get back into it. I tried it the other day. It has not, this is rolling out. And who knows? I apologize. I should have tried it again before the meeting here today to test to see if it had made it to my domain yet. It does say um, it'll take two to three weeks to roll out. And this started like a week ago, I think they started rolling it out. Um, so I'm going to test it again later today and see has that worked. But again, when I tested it the last time, no, it, it, it hadn't, that feature had not happened yet. I tested it with some test accounts and they were able to rejoin even with a nicknamed meeting. So I'm still waiting to see that happen. Uh, so those did come out um, as well. And I think that goes to what Stephanie was just sharing about giving feedback because Google's listening and they're like, oh, these are good points. Tell you what, let's tweak those. And they did. All right. All right, Stephanie and Meredith, anything else you saw in the chat that we should mention on this topic of <clears throat> the meet updates before we move on to other things? About if it's possible to create breakout rooms in Meet. And that's probably something we should give Google feedback on that we want that. Uh, so the question is, could you have separate chat rooms like breakout rooms? <clears throat> mm -hmm. And at the moment, right, I, I, right, there's, there's, there's not an option for that. So that would be wonderful feedback. And Danielle um, suggested just creating separate rooms using chat. 
So I don't know what it looks like in Zoom. I'm not familiar with Zoom as I am with Google Meet, um, but I think they have breakout rooms. So maybe someone in the okay. chat can help us with Zoom. But yeah, that's a good idea with creating the separate rooms. But then it's like, how do you monitor that as a teacher? Right. Um, the only time I've ever used breakout rooms has been with adults. I do have Zoom, my district, we use Zoom. Um, and so for example, tomorrow I have a meeting with the superintendent and then they're gonna have the principals break out into elementary, middle and high to discuss apparently some of the things he's sharing. We don't know what he's gonna share yet, but those the, that's with adults. I haven't ever used it with students because you're right, that would make me, as a principal, that would make me nervous to say, that would be like putting them in their own room without an adult supervisor. Just go in this room. So I wouldn't advise doing that without an adult in each little breakout room. All right. Well, excellent. Thank you, everybody, for all your questions and comments during that section. There was a lot. Boy, the, the, the chat exploded <laughs> there. So uh, thank you for everybody who's asked questions and answered questions. Um, and we can certainly uh, catch, if uh, more questions pop up, we can swing back around and catch those. Uh, but we will go ahead and um, uh, we'll keep working our way down through the list here. Um, and I don't even know. I think it's, I think it's me. I think I'm next. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and I'll just pick up the ball and keep running here. And uh, so the next one we had bolted was that Google Assistant can now read web pages aloud to you. Well, I think it should say it will soon be able to, because I've tried this and it hasn't worked for me yet. So I'm not sure uh, what update I still need on this. Maybe it's something that's in a newer version of Android than I have. Uh, but the point is, anytime I see something come up that deals with um, accessibility and accommodations, I just love to get it on people's radar. So just heads up. Um, in a version of Android. Uh, I don't know if it's the, you know, which, which versions it is going to be. Um, but uh, the Google Assistant um, will allow you to, uh, and I won't say the actual words, you know, because if I say them, my, my devices will all start <laughs> doing that. But if you, if you, uh, if you hail the uh, big G and then tell it to uh, read this page, um, it will be able to, on your phone, read whatever web page you're on and just read it aloud. And there's a lot of tools that do that sort of thing, but it's getting baked right into the Google Assistant. So I thought, hey, that's a great accessibility tool. So if somebody has your phone, you, you got your phone, you're reading an article, you could just ask it to be read aloud and listen to it be read aloud. So nice to see those updates continuing to come out uh, from Google. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. I haven't tried it yet, but I need to. All right, what's up next then? The next one, let's see. It's like my thing's taking forever to load because I don't know. It looks like it. Uh, the one about images and Image, dogs. Yep, so um, this is going to be nice too. It's going to help with images in Google Docs. I honestly never use Google Docs. I'm always a Google Slides type of person. I change the layout, and that way I can play with the font, uh, the text boxes, and the pictures, and all of that kind of stuff. But this will just be a little bit easier for you to format images if you are a Google Docs person. But again, I like slides because I have more control over how I want it to look. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of good reasons to use Google Slides for uh, desktop publishing. Uh, but if you are using a doc and you are putting images in there, we used to only be limited to a few things. You could basically do some wrapping. 
Um, and that was about it. You could, you could resize it and you could wrap it. Um, but now we're getting exact positioning. So like you can say, okay, I could drag this by hand and try to put it where I think I want it. But now you can say, you know what? I want to put this exactly, you know, this many inches X and Y from the top left-hand corner of the page, you know, and that way you can just put it exactly in the spot where you want it. So I could have tried this by hand, but this gives us a little bit more control over that. Uh, I think we're still a ways away from where I wish Docs was when it comes to image management, which is exactly what Stephanie just said about using slides. Um, I'm hoping for the day when we get a lot more control and the ability to drop text boxes anywhere and things like that. But hey, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, what's up next? Uh, new Google Groups uh, launching in beta. Um, so I have not done the beta for this. Uh, we um, just started using Google Groups at the um, at where I work, and I didn't want to <laughs> upset the Apple cart by playing around with the beta just yet. But I have read through this and looked at it, and honestly, what it looks like for right now is they're just cleaning things up. Because if you've used Google Groups, you know it's the interface from the admin end of it. It's 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 an old looking interface. It's not pretty and modern and sleek. So it looks like at least for right now, what they're doing is they're just honestly cleaning it up. They're giving a much more, you know, interactive material design, clean layout for the management of Google Groups. Now this will not affect people on the end user. I mean, you'll still get your emails through Google Groups just like you always did. It should just make it a little bit cleaner and easier for us to navigate for those of us that are managing it. So I don't think there's any, from what I've seen, I do not think there's any new features yet. I think this is just a, a facelift to make it easier to navigate. All right, what's up next? The next one is tables in Google Sheets. Ah. Um, so there's a very nice GIF on this one on their resource link to show what it's talking about, but okay. I use a lot of conditional formatting um, in Google Sheets and I love just using colors because of my personality. But in here you can, oh wait, I'm talking about the wrong update, I think. Oh. I got ahead, oh well. Well, that's a, you can talk about both of them because there's <laughs> that other good, one about the sorting, was, yeah. Yeah, I was so excited about the I'll sorting I'll let you talk one. about both of them because you're passionate <laughs> about it. I am, um, so this one's nice too because it allows you to take your Google sheet and then it kind of customizes it to what you need. Um, just again, makes suggestions a lot easier because I know when I, in the past, I'm like, oh, I don't need that data point. So it's A, you know, you're playing like the coordinate grid game. It's um, B1, you know, and trying to figure out where you need it and what things you need. So here it just suggests it for you. And you know what's really nice about this? I don't know if you've ever had people ask you this before. They want to make a chart, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but they only want data from columns A and D. Like column A has the people's names in it and column D has the numbers, the grades or whatever. And they're like, oh, I want to make a chart with, you know, a and D, but they're not contiguous. They're not, you know, connected together. There's ways to do that. And you can even put in a range that is a non-contiguous range, but you're like, well, how do I type that again? I don't remember what's the syntax for that. So basically now you could select all the data, let it grab everything, but then you could come down here and you could add or remove the different series. You could say, but I don't need 
columns B and C. I just care about column D and it will update the graph for you that way. So that I think is just going to make that a lot smoother for folks, which I totally get how that can be a pain in the butt. I sometimes literally just copied a column over and put it next to the one I wanted <laughs> just to make it easier to make a chart or a graph and that won't be an issue. Uh, but you were also mentioning the other one. Talk yeah. to us about that one, which was a little further down about um, the very next about sorting and filtering. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so I use a lot of the conditional formatting and different color coding on my data just because it's easier to look at in a spreadsheet, I personally think. Um, so now you can finally sort by color, which I think is going to be very helpful. So as you can see in the GIF, they just pull up their filters and then you can filter by whatever color you want. And now you have all the red available to see. So I cannot wait to use this update because I think it's going to be super helpful. Oh, that is so nice. Yeah. To be able to sort and filter by colors. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times that would be something that would be very valuable to have. And we have not had that feature and Excel has, that's something that you've been able to do in Excel. And I've heard, I know people have, have asked about that. So awesome. Really glad to see that. All right, what's up next? Uh, looks like we're down to the last few here, and then we'll switch over to our Q&A and show and tell. Um, the next one is that Google Translate, the app is adding the live transcribe feature. This goes back again to, you know, like I said, anytime I see something that's, you know, accessibility, accommodations, or ELL related, things like that, I like to get them out there and, and let people be aware of those. Um, let me see if I can make this a little bit larger. There we go. Um, and so the idea is with the Google Translate app, which is wonderful. Oh my goodness, the, the Google Translate app is such a neat app. Um, you know, it can let you, you know, speak and have it translate. You can use the camera and you can point it at a sign and it will translate the sign in real time, you know, for you. It's like magic. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, one of the features that um, just got added and somebody asked me about this, maybe about a month and a half ago or so. I was at a conference. I remember somebody asking exactly for this feature. I'm so excited that it's here is live transcription and translation combined. And I know we've talked about live transcription that we've seen before. There's actually a Google app called live transcribe and you'd basically just turn it on and anything anybody says, it just types it up for you. And so I've set it in the middle of a table with a bunch of people talking and it just transcribes everything. It makes basically it closed captions the world for you. Well, this takes two things and puts them together. It's the peanut butter and the chocolate together. It's got the transcription and the translation. And so as somebody's talking in one language, you tell it what language you want it to be translated into, and then it does a live transcription of that while translating. So um, makes perfect sense to put those two together. And that is now available in the Google Translate app. There's a button that just says transcribe. And I tried that out earlier today and it works great. Just open up the Translate app, click transcribe and away you go. So heads up on that one. And we did already talk about the meat improvements. So um, <laughs> um, uh, let's see, which one did you want to finish up with here, Stephanie? Do you want to talk about hand washing or pointers? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. I was like, the hand washing one's kind of interesting because you just say, hey, G, help me yeah. wash my hands. And then it will help you wash your hands. And you don't even have to touch your phone. So it's less germs right now. 
Uh, I actually tried this. Have you, have you tried it? Have you I have heard not it? tried okay. it. I might try it later today. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, if you say the magic words and then you say, help me wash my hands, it sings a song. <laughs> so it sings a, it sings a hand washing song for 40 seconds. So it's. Does this work on, on the like Google home? It looks like. Yes. Anything with anything with assistant. So home or your phone, if you have assistant on your phone. That's hilarious. I'm totally telling my kids about this today because I, I keep telling them, sing happy birthday. You're not washing long enough. So this will be a fun. It's cute. It's a cute, it's a cute song. It, it mm-hmm. is. <laughs> it, 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 it sings it. It sings it through for you. <laughs> so, all all right. the principals are going to be getting Google homes next to the bathroom now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last one, then we'll just finish up with um, not a big, big, big deal, but just um, important enough that um, I wanted to be on people's radar in that Google's making a change to the structure of how files are stored in Google Drive. And the big change is they are, they are no longer as of, uh, what's the date? September 30th. As of September 30th, you will no longer be able to put a file in multiple folders. Now you may oh. say, Eric, I didn't, didn't even know I could do that. Because um, so, you, you might not think that. You may say, oh, Google Drive, I just take a file and I drop it in a folder. What do you mean multiple folders? Um, you've actually had this feature for a long time, but it's kind of hidden away that you can take a file and actually put it in more than one folder of your drive. Um, Just like labeling email, same idea. You can take a message, you can put more than one label on it. Well, you can take a file and you can put it in more than one place. I don't mean make a copy of the file. You're not making a copy. You're actually putting the file, literally the same file in more than one folder. And it's, what we call adding to a folder rather than moving to a folder. And I think uh, there was a shortcut you could use like control. Oh shoot. I don't remember what it was now. Maybe it was alt Z or something like that. It would bring up this, you know, shortcut to be able to add it to a folder. Well, the point is I don't think a lot of people use that so much. Uh, They just think, Hey, a file goes in a folder and that's it. And so Google is saying, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. Files have to exist in one place. The actual file can only be one canonical location. This is where that file is. But what if you want people to be able to still see the file in other locations? Well, that's why they're rolling out and have rolled out their features, just basically shortcuts. So now when you have a, a, um, a file and you say you want to add it to your drive, you're basically adding a shortcut to it. You're not, it's, it's like, okay, well, this file is in somebody else's drive. You can't really have the file in your, your drive anymore going forward. You're just going to have a shortcut to it. Now you can always make a copy of the file. Of course, you can always copy a file unless they, you know, turn that feature off, you know, which is in, is in the permissions. Uh, but the idea is now if you say, hey, I want to add this to my drive and it's somebody else's file, well, it's going to add a shortcut to your drive. Are you going to notice any difference? Nope. <laughs> You're still going to see the file. You're still going to double click on it just like normal. It's still going to open it like normal. Google's just saying, hey, heads up, be a, just understand it's only a shortcut. You're not really getting the file itself. You're just getting a shortcut. So yeah, you know, um, just for clarification, wanted to get that on people's radar. It's going to look a little different with some of the menus. Like you'll see the words add shortcut to drive instead of add to my drive. 
but in the end, it's not really going to affect, I think, the end users. But if you did put folders, excuse me, files in multiple folders, they're going to update those so that they all become um, shortcuts other than the original location of the file. So heads up. All right. Anything else, Meredith or Stephanie, before we move into Q&A? Um, something that somebody threw in the YouTube chat, something people put in the chat on the side, anything that we have missed here? Um, does the Translate app for the work on the iPhone, do you know? I think it only said Android, but I wasn't for sure. If you... Well, I mean, I know it, it exists for both, but is this feature? Yeah. Um, no, it says Android. Okay. Yeah. So maybe eventually. Yeah, it does say Android. Thanks for the clarification on that. Yeah. I don't think there was anything else we missed. Right. There's a ton of questions. So. <laughs> oh, no. oh, 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 my goodness. <laughs> Okay, um, so we'll take a quick look through these, um, but then um, we want to give time for Meredith to share. And so um, let's do a quick scan through the questions and see if there's um, anything we can speak to right away. Um, what we will always encourage people to do is please fill in answers, even if you're not, you know, um, us, <laughs> the smartest person in the room is the room. So everybody here, please contribute. So uh, feel free to throw in answers as people have been doing here. Uh, but then we want to give some time for, for Meredith to share. So it uh, looks like there was a question on how do I use Zoom Premium to broadcast a board meeting via a public link. And I see those, uh, the link has been added in there for that. And that's what we're doing right now. We are using Zoom right now. And we are broadcasting this as a YouTube live link. That's, that's what this meeting is right now. And it looks like, yep, that link got added over there. So hopefully that will answer your question for that. Um, some of the, uh, can we look at some of the, I think we may have done this. Can we look at some of the setup features in Meet? I don't know, can I set it up so students can't chat till they arrive, mute students until they arrive? Well, so no, I mean, um, as far as if you don't want the kids to get in the meeting, no, um, hmm. I would say, unless somebody knows differently, um, I would say my, I guess my, my gut reaction would be, you know, don't give them the link until it's time for the meeting. Does anybody know differently on that? Because I know we've gotten a new feature now when the last person leaves, you know, they can't get back in with the nicknamed one, but I don't know that that affects them um, getting into it in the first place. Like if you give a nickname out and you haven't got in it yet, can they join ahead of you? I don't know the answer to that, but um, this question we did answer, will you need to delete the link for the meeting if you don't want them to revisit? Um, no, it's, it's all about using the nicknames like we talked about. You have to, when you create the meet, which again, like I said, if you go to Google Meet and you say, I wanna start a meeting, you have to give it a nickname um, and if you give it a nickname and then you give students that nickname, that's the way that you avoid them getting back into, um, into it afterwards. I don't know about them getting into it before. If anybody knows I would that. just say schedule it in Google Classroom. Um, I would assume that mm. they can get it 
So I would just schedule the post or schedule the email. How nice. Yeah. Um, I also put in there, I did a uh, webinar with my teachers on how to use Google Meet. So I put the slide show that I used. Um, feel free to use it, edit, whatever you need. Um, I just went over the features of it because a lot of them never used it. And so um, the first one I did Pear Deck just so I could introduce that too. Yeah. And it was just like a time saver while they were waiting to do our Google Meet session. And then we just talked about the different features. And then at the bottom, I went over a slide deck that I had with the kids so that it would help teachers also go over expectations with their students because I told them students don't know how to behave online with Google Meet. And so we talked about going over expectations, how they should come in with their microphone muted, um, that kind of stuff. And so we went over, like, you need to teach the kids some of these tools so they know what to expect. So that's also in that resource. Wonderful. Wonderful. And speaking of that, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, we're, it's so many resources, <laughs> which it's been wonderful to see everybody, um, you know, sharing so many great resources. Um, if we have time later, I'll mention down in the show and tell, but um, I did the same thing for, for my teachers here. Um, I've got a, um, a uh, video series I did. It's up to six videos now. It was five at first, but six videos on Google Meet and seven on Classroom and one on Screencastify. Um, and they're all really short. I tried to keep them like um, uh four minutes, five minutes, right around there. Some might be a little long. I think maybe, you know, seven minutes might be the longest. Um, and it covers, you know, all of those sort of things as well. Um, so, but thank you, Stephanie, so much for sharing that um, slideshow. That's awesome. Um, what else do we have here? Um, has anyone been having issues with the drive? For the last couple of weeks, I can't upload documents. I've done everything. Google's told me to fix it and nothing seems to work. They just sit as waiting to upload. I have, I have not. Um, I do see some, somebody mentioned experiencing delays uploading Screencastify files to Drive. Yes, that was a big issue at first. When you would record with Screencastify, the file would get saved to Drive, but it wasn't rendering. It wasn't processing. And so you could download it from Drive and you could play it yourself on your computer with your local media player, but it just was, wasn't getting processed. And Google did address that and they seemed to be processing immediately. I um did a, well, not a real, maybe a five minute screencastify just yesterday and immediately, I mean, it, it, it processed. So I've never seen a process so fast. So they've definitely put some more resources into that. Sounds like there was an outage last week and here's a link to the status page. Unfortunately, other than that, no, I have not, I would just imagine this is not an unusual time for things to be getting wonky, you know, with just the amount of people that are using the system as Google tries to adjust to it. But I'm sorry, I don't have another um, more detailed answer to that. Yeah, and I would just check the status page. I know Google went down, I think it was last Thursday. Um, if you could look at the status page, it shows like when Google's not working. So I always check that first. And then again, it could be Wi-Fi issues. It could be the amount of volume that it's receiving. Uh, Meredith shared in the chat the Screencastify code. So they are giving unlimited yes. um, Screencastify accounts and she put Correct. the code right into the account if you wanted to use that. I do have teachers that are struggling with uploading videos. So I've suggested um, canceling the upload and then re-uploading it. That seemed to work. YouTube has been really good. 
And also Google Photos has been a little bit faster than Google Drive. Excellent. And speaking of um, Screencastify, in addition to the code, um, uh, if I go to the article I did on using Screencastify with the little help video on that, there's a link here um, on Screencastify's blog about um, their COVID-19 response. And it includes the fact that they are, you know, happy to give Screencastify for free to um, entire school districts. Um, and um, they say, please ask your tech administrator to email sales at Screencastify. So you could definitely use that code. I, I think that's awesome. And, but that would probably be one person at a time. Uh, here's something that you could do as a district. You could contact them and I think get your whole district um, set up to be using um, Screencastify's premium during this time. Um, all right. Let's see, other Q's and A's, uh, aside from Cami, any other easy recommendations for editing PDFs? Um, so Cami absolutely is great. Um, I use DocHub. Um, I don't know if we wanna add that one in there. It's very similar to Cami. I use the free version of both though. So if you're using the paid version, you may have more features. I have found that DocHub, and this just could be, and I hope, I, I hope I'm remembering this right, I found DocHub has more free features than Cami has free. I think paid versions are probably very similar and Cami may have some other powerful things in it, but DocHub, um, I've used that anytime that I need to sign a PDF and submit it back to somebody or do some annotations on top of it real quick. And I just use the free version. I've never had any trouble with that. But what I would really recommend if you can, um, let me see if I can pull this up real fast. Uh, let me grab my <clears throat> blog post on this one. It's Google Classroom's mobile version. And so um, let me grab the link here for you. This is not new. This is old stuff here. Um, but Google Classroom uh, mobile app. <clears throat> so the Google Classroom mobile app has built-in annotation. So if you have an iPad or an Android tablet, or an iPhone or an Android phone, there is a Google Classroom mobile app. And the mobile app is very similar to the web app, the website. But it turns out that Google, the Google Classroom mobile app has more features than Google Classroom on the web. It has the ability to take pictures with your camera, to record videos. Um, it also has built-in annotation. And so in the mobile app of Google Classroom, any PDF or Google document as well. You can use Google Docs or PDFs. If you open them up, there's a special button that looks like a pencil. And um, it's, it's probably here in my blog post. There it is. There's this little pencil icon and you click the little pencil icon. And when you do, it opens up these annotation tools and you can just draw and write and type right on top of the PDF, right inside of your phone or tablet. And then when you hit save, what it does is it saves a second copy. It saves an annotated version of that. Um, and so Google Classroom mobile app is a nice way to do that as well. Yeah, and I've been using Pear Deck, um, if you guys have that, or Nearpod, just take a screenshot, upload it to a Google slide, and then they can annotate on it using the drawing tool. That has yeah. been really helpful. Another suggestion that someone put under number two was taking screenshots 
And it's a really good idea to make it the background because if you don't make it the background, kids will move the screenshot and then it's really hard for them to manipulate. So make sure you make it the background of the slide and then the kids can add text boxes. You could add text boxes and then yep. they can type over your document. So that is another really good suggestion. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So many wonderful ideas. Uh, yeah, I tell you, uh, if nothing else, the education community is rising to the challenge and we're showing how creative we are at taking a tool and using it in so many ways. Awesome. Thanks guys. Um, can you force a copy of a Google Drive folder? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, that is not currently possible with folders. Yeah, I was going to agree with that because I've often wanted just a copy of an entire folder. I feel yeah. like there's an extension that does that though. <clears throat> there was um, a, um, there was an add-on for Google Sheets. Copy. Yeah, there, there used to be an add-on for Google Sheets called Copy Folder. And I don't know if it still exists anymore. <clears throat> I used to use it and um, it was flaky. Sometimes okay. it would copy the whole folder fine. Sometimes it wouldn't. But no, if you want to copy an entire folder, you can copy, you can select all the files and you can copy multiple files at once. But just to click on a folder, no. But it looks like there may be some, oh, here we go. Yeah, there's the copy folder. Add-on or extension. So again, provide feedback to Google. Yeah. <laughs> That's been a question for a long time. Does anybody know why shared editable folders will not update sync across users? For example, the main parent folder is shared with can edit, but when someone creates a new folder inside of the main folder, the sharing edit rights are not carried over. So the only person who created the subfolder is able to, uh, able to files placed and able to, I guess, access or see files placed inside the subfolder. Everybody else only sees random files in the main folder unfiled. Why is this? Basically, it's me sharing the folder with myself, two users, two accounts, two completely different accounts. Interesting. I've never, I've never tried that. I am so I do not have an answer to that one. That's one I'd have to poke a stick at. Because under normal conditions, yeah, anything that's created inside of a folder is supposed to inherit the permissions of the folder you put it in. Hmm. So I'm not sure. Um, yeah, if the main parent folder is can edit and it's shared with people and you create something in it, it should inherit all of those features of that. So I don't know. Um, hmm. I'm sorry, I do not have an answer on that one. Um, I certainly would be happy to poke a stick at it and look at it a little bit further. But as I'm reading this, the, the, what you're expecting to happen is what I would expect to happen too. That yes, anything you put inside of a folder should inherit the permissions of that folder. Huh. Okay. I'm not sure I'm about not that sure. one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Uh, looks like I've got a few things answered here. The Gmail search, you have to push enter again after you select the chip. Looks like it does load it after you click it, okay. Uh, I still don't have all the admin controls that I should have. Is there, is there a delay rolling this out? Yes, yes, they are still rolling out. We did live streaming, yep. And we talked about um, uh, the Translate app for the iPhone, having the transcribe feature. Looks like it currently does not have that on the iPhone. All right, 
Well, all right. I think that hits most of the questions, at least um, at least enough to uh, get people moving in the right direction on those. Um, let's, though, move to our final section, and we can always swing back around if we do have time, and let's do some show and tell. So during this time, we um, are so thrilled to have Meredith with us to uh, do some show and tell with us, and this is a time where Stephanie and I, as well, after Meredith is done, uh, might mention a couple of quick little things that have jumped out at us over the last um, uh, two months, in this case, but it's also for everybody else, please, where it says GEG Community Show and Tell, just like Anthony has done so well here, please feel free to add things in here as well for anything that you would like to share. And you guys are doing a great job. Peggy, Tara, Abid, everybody is sharing awesome things there. But with no further ado, Meredith, uh, let's let's have you talk a little bit. What, um, what again, maybe for those that weren't here at the very beginning, do another quick introduction of who you are. And then um, I will happily open up these resources you have here and I uh, would love to hear you share about them. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor. And um, yes, I am Meredith Akers. I am the principal at Rennell Elementary School, which is down in Cypress, Texas, just outside of Houston, Texas. Um, and we are also learning remotely and connecting remotely. And I will. I do have a blog at meredithacres.com. And um, I, see that you clicked on it just a second ago, that we, I have um, a blog post that I did a couple of weeks ago on connecting remotely because in our district, um, we've really been charged with focusing on making sure our students still feel connected with us. Um, and so yes, our district has done an amazing job of providing the curriculum content. And really our district has helped as asking teachers, yes, to point the students to that content to help them with answer questions, but our teachers aren't having to create videos. They are Zooming with students and having Google Meets with students and calling them and doing all kinds of things. Our focus, especially in the first two weeks, we're just making sure that they still are building relationships with students, that students are okay. Um, and so I was trying to brainstorm with my teachers, what are some different ways we can do that so you're not calling 100 kids every week? And so I have a list here and I hope you'll help me, Eric, just to scroll through it. Number one is the call. Um, I, I have a feeling all of us that are on this uh, GEG meeting here today are probably pretty techie, and sometimes we forget that like hearing someone's voice can be really soothing, especially for our students. Some of them, home is the last place they want to be, and they'd rather be at home, I mean at school with their teacher, and so just hearing that soothing voice of their teacher can be something they really need, and so I kind of start with call, and I'm going to refer back to it later. If any of these other methods don't work, I tell my teachers or anybody that reads my blog, go back to the call. If they don't respond to your Google form or your email or other ways that you're trying to connect with students, make sure you do reach out to them. Don't just go, well, they didn't complete the assignment. I think sometimes they just need to know you care about them and that, hey, I, I really do wanna see your work. I really do wanna answer your questions. Um, I really do care about you. I just wanna know how you're doing. Um, I think that that call is where we start and it's a really important way to connect with kids. Um, another way, of course, is email. My elementary students, we don't have email for all of our elementary level students in my district, but of course their parents do. And so I have gotten emails from my child's teacher to me, and then it says, please give this to Madison. And then she writes just to my daughter. And so she has adored getting like, oh my gosh, she wrote just to me. So that's been really a special way to connect, especially sometimes when it's not about the content, when it's just about, I care about you. because 
innately as educators when we're at school, we're given those high fives and we're asking kids, how are you? How was your weekend? If we know they play soccer, how'd your soccer game go? But now that we're remotely, it can really easily go to, I'm giving this assignment in Google Classroom and I'm checking this assignment and that's all. And so it's really important that we don't forget to just make those relationship connections. So um, another way is through a Google form. I, as the principal at my school, every Monday since we've been out, I have sent a Google check-in form. And I really stole this idea from a teacher at my school, Kelsey French. She sends out in her class physically when we are actually at school, her students, when they get to her class every day, they start by filling out a Google form and she just asks them, how are you? And she has a bunch of options like, I'm good. No, I don't feel good. I need you to check in with me. She just asks them to share with her how they're feeling, how they're doing. And then she also asks a silly question and then she'll put, is there anything you need me to know? So she's a fourth grade teacher. Fourth graders sometimes will say, you know, no, I'm having a terrible day. Well, then when she pulls up, you know, the Excel, the, I'm sorry, the sheets, spreadsheets attached to a Google form, she as the teacher can really quickly see, okay, this one says, okay, 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 this one's upset. She can address that right away as a teacher. So I love that when we're in school, and I've kind of adapted that as a principal right now for when we are not in school so that I can, every Monday I'm sending it to my staff and I'm asking them first off, the first question is, how are you, how is your family and you doing it? Are you sick? Do you have enough food? Are you okay? And then um, the second question I ask them how they're doing with working from home. And then I leave a spot for, is there anything else you need Meredith to know as your principal? So I am able Monday morning to scroll through really fast and see who needs my attention right away as my staff member? If someone says, no, I'm really struggling, I'm calling them right away. Yesterday, I called five or six people who said, no, I'm struggling. This is what I'm frustrated with, or I'm confused by, or I need clarity. Then I kind of hear that. Today, I have my list of people that said, I'm okay, but I could use some TLC. I wish you'd call me. So I'm going to call them today because they weren't my major issue, but they said they have so for teachers as well, this could be a great way to check in and say, I know my husband is a high school teacher. He just sent out a Google form to his kids yesterday to say, how are you? How's your family? Like caring for them first. And then second of all, asking his students, hey, what do you not understand about the course content? How can I help? Do you need a call from me? Do you need me to you know, share something via Zoom so that you understand the academics that are being asked of you online better? It's just a way to check in and show that you care. Another way is to open up a Google Doc, and I loved this idea, Winter Fuller, who's also a teacher at my school. This was her idea, and if you'll scroll down a little bit further, Eric, this is just a picture of it, but I also have the link if you want to steal it or share it with your teachers. So Winter says, hey, Mrs. Fuller, says, hey, this is our daily check-in. On You have a side, and I have a side. Write how you're feeling, and I'm going to write back to you, so that way we can have like a journal back and forth. She is also a fourth grade teacher, and this was her way of kind of changing up her check-in. She took we use the Google form, she wanted to be able to write back and forth with them and check in with them daily just on how they're doing. Um, my child's teacher, Miss Shepard, who also is at Rennell, also did a Google form. She had like all kinds of fun questions, a silly question, a joke. Then Madison wrote her back a joke. And she actually, when she was on um, another Google Doc with her um, other teacher, Miss Bernier, she saw that Miss Bernier was there at the same time and they were writing back and forth at the same time. But it was all just about her as a person and checking in on her and relationship building. And so I, I just wanted to emphasize relationship building today because it's harder when we're not there in person. So another way to do that is with Flipgrid. I think a lot of times we think of Flipgrid as educators as collecting like one response from every kid in the class. You could absolutely use Flipgrid and set up one for each student. So if I set one up with James in my class 
I could um, do hit that plus sign and say, James, I'm missing you. Um, tell me how you're doing. Um, how are you feeling? What's going on at home? And then James can hit that plus sign and, and respond back. If anybody's out there is familiar with the Marco Polo app, it would basically be like using Flipgrid as Marco Polo, that we're going to have this asynchronous conversation back and forth using video so that your student can see your facial expressions and hear your voice and you can have that same conversation without having to actually set up a phone call or, or do it at the, at the right moment. It, it's giving the student and you that flexibility to respond when you're able, you're still having that two-way conversation. And that can be used for relationship building, checking on, you know, hey, are you getting some exercise? Have you gotten out in your backyard at all? And what are your questions about the academics? How can I help you? So that they have kind of a way to raise their hand and ask a question and feel comfortable. Um, one more way is through Google Slides. And if you'll scroll down, yeah, to my gift there, I set an example of, okay, you can say, hey, Sarah, go to slide two, go to insert image, camera, take a selfie, how you're feeling this week. And then tell me more. In the text box, tell me more. So this way you get an update. One of my teachers at my school, actually, while we were, um, I was checking my Twitter while we were um, meeting during this meeting. And one of my kindergarten teachers wrote me and said, I am loving using this. And she showed all her kids writing back with like happy faces or frustrated faces and, and their explanation of why they're feeling that way and getting to see their faces and getting to see their kindergarten explanations of why they feel that way was just, you know, melting her heart, also helping her to know who needs a phone call. Like the one that's really grumpy and saying, it stinks to be at home. They need to hear my voice. I need to call them right now. So it's another way to reach out and make that connection with kids, even though we're working remotely. If you want a copy of that template as well, you can steal it from there. Um, I, I put in there, I would love to hear from anybody else. Eric, how much more time do I have? Can I share something else? Or am oh, I yeah, plenty. Okay. <laughs> as much as you want. <laughs> what other ideas do you have, Eric and Stephanie, for connecting with kids and building that relationship remotely? For us, oh. it's been Google Meets too. Um, yeah. Having those online office hours um, kind of stuff. And then as a team, the kids just want to talk to other students. I know. They're missing their friends. And yeah. I told teachers, allow them to talk. You know, it's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> um, we've right. also been doing a Google form check-in. That's awesome. Yeah, my, um, my daughter's teachers have been setting up Zoom meetings for the class to meet with no agenda, not... Like, so they have just a spec, like class check-in time is what they've been calling it to do what you're saying. Just let them talk to each other because they're missing each other. And really at every level, we need interaction. Here we are. I'm like, yay, adult interaction. I'm loving talking to you guys. <laughs> Our kids need that too, because just being at home all the time is tough for everybody. And so I really appreciate that my child's teacher are making that point. Uh, my child does go to my school. So yay them for many reasons. I'm proud as a mom and as a principal that they're doing an amazing job of caring for her as a person as well as academically and helping her grow as a learner too. Yeah and, and so I think, think go ahead I'm sorry. Um, I think too like there's a lot of ed tech coaches on here principals um, admin we need to be checking in on our staff. Um, Absolutely. So we've been doing coffee chats and so it's just a kind of staff room where they can just talk about whatever's going on and then today I sent out a Pear Deck. Um, it had like rubber ducky on a scale. How do you feel? And there's like different rubber duckies. I think oh, I put it hilarious. in the show and tell. And it was just a fun way to check in. It's in the show and tell. Yeah, I did link it. Um, but again, I just put it in a Pear Deck. And then 
the teachers just went through and they picked what number rubber ducky they were. There's like a blow up rubber ducky and one of them it's inflated. The other one it's completely blown up. Um, and it just was a kind of a fun way to check in with them. And then I just emailed them individually based on what they said during yes. the comments. But we really do need to check in on our staff. And then later this week, I'm going to do a cat. So on a scale of this cat, which cat are you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, I put the Google form in there. So I'm going to use Google forms for that. That way they get introduced to new tech tools in a fun way. Yeah. And then I can reach out to them. So I think that's so important that we're doing that. I agree. I love that idea of show me on the scale of these cats. That's hilarious. Is this it? Oh, it's the rubber ducky. So on the scale of one to nine. There's two. Yeah, oh, there's okay. two of them. There's a That's rubber really ducky one and then there's the cat one next to it. Um, if you go, to, I think it's like slide two. And then I put what I'm feeling. So that way they know. Um, they pick which rubber ducky they are. We've been doing this during the GEG staff room and I've been so stealing cute. them completely. Yeah, you're going to make a copy of the Google form. And then it has yeah, nine different cats. Make a copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has nine different cats. And you just pick which cat you what? are. And I love this one. I can't wait to do it. I think I'm going to save it for Friday. That is so fun. Yeah, I'm I really this. want to know who's picking number four. I really. <laughs> um... <laughs> this number, this today I'm probably a number eight. I just love that one. <laughs> I, oh um, my gosh. So, so everybody in the chat, put how you're feeling. Pick which number cat represents oh, yeah. you. Which number cat am I today? Oh my gosh. It might be a five. Yeah, I was going to say I'm feeling kind of five. Okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> wow. So funny. Um, you know, my blog post was about how to connect individually with the kids, but I so appreciate you sharing the Zoom and letting them talk. Another way I'm doing that for staff, since you mentioned, Stephanie, how are we making sure we're, you know, letting our staff connect? Something that I've been doing with our staff since we've been out is I created a Padlet wall and I've given them a silly challenge every week that I want them to post on the Padlet wall. And I've told them, hey, if you're not familiar with Padlet, this is gonna be kind of like our private Facebook, just for our, because not everybody's on Facebook. And I wanted it to be like, here's a place, you don't have to join a social media channel if you don't want to, but here's a place that we can post things. And so last week I said, um, post me a picture, a selfie with the most expired thing you can find in your house. And so we got, you know, hilarious pictures of different expired products. This week I asked them to post um, a, their favorite meme that they've come across so far that has to do with this current situation we're in. So it could be social distancing or homeschooling or quarantine, but just post a meme. And so then I've asked them all to comment on at least two people's. And of course I told them it's not required. This is a fun challenge just to keep us connected as a staff, but more everybody is participating. And then they're also putting more than I've asked them to. It's every day there's updates. And so that's just a fun way to like share sillies, share ideas, the strategies for the kids, but we're staying connected that way as a staff, checking in with each other there. It's been fun. Well, these, these are phenomenal ideas on how to use these tools in creative ways. And it's addressing, you know, such important thing right now that yes, we want to keep the learning going. We want to, we don't want this to be, you know, a lost time. But we have to address, you know, the mental and emotional mm -hmm. part of things before we can expect to address the academics, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, and, uh, you know, I think what was it somebody was saying, you know, putting Maslow before Bloom, you know, and, and making sure that we're, you know, meeting the needs before we can, uh, you know, address the academics. And, and like Stephanie, you said, not just for the students, but for the teachers as well. Absolutely. I'm loving, like you said, I'm loving this meeting because other than this, I talk to my houseplants, but that, <laughs> that's about it. If they start talking back, we have problems. Um, yeah. But, you know, so. So, you know, this, this is so important for us as educators as well to stay connected. Wow. So good. Other things you might want to share, Meredith, anything yeah. else? Would it be okay if I screen share? Is that, do we have that? You know, I, I'm going to say yes, but the thing is, I don't know how to, because <laughs> I don't <laughs> use Zoom enough. How do I turn that over to you? Do I have to give you that ability or? I think you just have to stop screen sharing so that okay. I can I will do that. I will stop screen sharing. So we're going to hit stop share. Okay. And then I'm going to share right now and we'll see if everybody can see from. Uh... Yes. Okay. Oh, see, I'm learning something new now too. <laughs> awesome. So I'm hoping that you can see that it says the spotlight effect. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So this is just one more thing I wanted to share that I thought was appropriate at this time when we are um, remote teaching and trying to make the most of capturing our kids attention because it is hard to know you know when we're in the room with our staff with teachers or with students when you're in the room you can tell when you've lost people you know but when you are not in the room it's hard to know are they with me do they understand where I am and so I'm just going to go into presentation mode for a second to show you what I mean by this um, some of you that might be Microsoft people you might say I already have this option in Microsoft or Keynote but here's a way to do it in Google um, so the spotlight effect is if I want to tell my students or if this is a presentation I'm giving and I want to say, I really want everybody to go to this bit.ly link without a doubt when I'm presenting to my staff or at um, technology conferences, I love to present if I'm presenting there. I know even though I make a link really big, somebody always, I see them like lean over and say, what link and you guys can probably relate you that present as well and teachers, you know, teacher. Students are going to lean over and go, where am I supposed to go? And so this is how the spotlight effect works. I can say, hey, please go to my bit.ly link, uh, bit.ly slash ma spotlight. And it takes you, boom, right there because we've kind of blocked out everything else. This is especially helpful and useful when you're sharing with students or with your staff data. So this is just an example that I got off of um, Google. Of I, I looked at the trends for searches for cupcakes, cake, dessert, and pie. You can see what I'm interested in while we're on the COVID-19 staying at home quarantine. I might have a uh, sweet tooth. So I got this trend of how many people are searching different things. And if I really wanted to call someone's attention to 2013 or 2012, your eyes are still looking all over the place because there's way too much going on here. But if I zoom you in on 2012, just by graying everything out, you're looking where I'm asking you to look now. So are your students. So are so this is what I'm, I'm wanting to show you how to do is to make that spotlight effect of zooming in on exactly what you want them to look at. If you would like a tutorial on this, I'm about to show everybody how and demo that. But if you want to go back later, it is available at this link that I've highlighted for you, bit.ly slash MA spotlight. It is case sensitive, but it's also in the notes that Stephanie um, created. So if I zoom out, basically here's how you do it. Let's say this is, this is what I want to highlight is that bit.ly link. Here's how I did it. I've created this, all the different pieces or separate pieces that I've created on my slide. What I need to do is make this slide into a image. So I do that by saying file, 
download as, and I'm going to download that as a PNG since I have lots of anim not animations, cartoony um, graphics there. And so I'm, I'm, it's slid to the bottom corner of my screen. I'm not sure that you can see that, but I'm going to take it and add it over where I have demo. So I'm going to grab it from the bottom corner and put that picture in on top of there. And then I'm going to make sure it fills the entire slide. So I'm going to pull it until it fills the whole slide. There we go. Now I'm going to duplicate that. So I'm using control D to duplicate. Now I've got two, but I'm going to make sure both of those are centered and filling the entire slide. Here I go, filled the whole slide. And you might be thinking, why did she do two on top of each other? Here's why. Now I am going to crop down until only the thing I want highlighted is showing. So I'm cropping this one down. I don't have my mouse at home. I left it at work. So I've got to use the trackpad, which is not my favorite. Here I go, whoops. That's what I have a problem with the trackpad. I'm going to try to crop down just so that bit.ly link is highlighted, and not the whole slide. Once I have that cropped down, won't be perfect like before, but forgive me. Um, now it, it looks like I did nothing, right? But really what I have done is I've put this on top. There's still that separate piece and it's exactly on top. Now I'm gonna click the bigger object and go to format options. And what I'm gonna do in there is do an adjustment. And I like to take the brightness down. Now, if I take it to zero, it goes to black, but I think like 75, 70 is good. So that way you can kind of see what's in the background, but you but obviously we've highlighted the thing that's most important. I love this even more if you change the transition to a fade in between. So you do that by doing like a little two finger click on the side and I can change the um, transition and I like it to be like a nice fade or dissolve. And then if I go back to present, it really kind of looks like a spotlight is kind of oh, fading in there for you. It's kind of neat. Or you could do a dissolve from one to the other. You got the same idea there. But that's a really nice way, especially while we're distance learning. If I'm, I'm going to go back to the data. If you're having to share data, if you're having to share um, an image that has a lot of things on it, and you need to call your audience, whether that be adult learners or student learners, you need to call, bring someone's attention to something. This is a really great way, fast and quickly, to highlight what you need everybody to look at so that they're not like looking at Think about your eyes right now. You're looking at everything, but once you've highlighted, you know exactly what the teacher's talking about, what the presenter's talking about. So I hope that's helpful when you're distance remote training or remote teaching. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, it's, it's such a neat way to do that. And you're right. It really does draw your attention right to what you want people to see. Oh, love it. So clever. Okay, I am going to stop sharing so that you can take back over here. All right, and let's see if I can manage to do that properly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me come over to uh, share. At the bottom of your screen, share yep. again. And I'm going to find screen one, and I'm going to share. And there we go. I think, All right. I think it should be back to the agenda. Does that look right? Yes. Excellent. Well, so I guess double, triple thanks for not just being here and sharing all these great resources, but also for teaching me how to use Zoom. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been using this for a few uh, since uh, last summer for these meetings, but I still haven't, you know, got as comfortable with it as I've been with other tools. So that's awesome. Um, well, that is wonderful. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Meredith? Uh, we're going to go ahead and probably have Stephanie and I share a couple of show and tell things, but with you being our guest and uh, 
with knowing how amazing you are. I, I don't want to cut you off if there's anything else you wanted to share. Oh, no, you are too kind to me. That was, that was what I had planned to share. So thank you so much for letting me uh, share those things with the group. Well, I'm sure anybody who has listened to you uh, is now does not need any convincing from me that they need to be following you and <laughs> subscribing to your blog. Um, I've got you set up in Feedlead as one of my, you know, subscribed blogs and follow you on Twitter. And it has always been an absolute pleasure every time I got a chance to meet you down in, in Texas or anywhere else that we've crossed paths at some big conferences. So thank you again so much for being here today, Meredith. Thanks really so much for having it. me. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do, definitely I'll just mention a couple of things um, that obviously we'll only pick a few <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff in here. Oh, I love the Baby Yodas. Oh, on a scale of Baby Yoda, how do you feel today? <laughs> oh I feel like there's going to be so many of those popping up. Oh my God. So as you guys create them, please share them with me because I want to do a snap check-in like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wonderful. <laughs> Okay. Um, so um, what I'll mention real quick, um, just, just a couple things. Um, like I said, I've been trying to figure out uh, how can I support best during this time? I mean, it's, and it, it was a little, it was very overwhelming. I mean, suddenly, you know, everybody's teaching from home and, you know, schools are shut down and I'm working from home. And I'm like, how can I be most effective? And so for now, anyway, um, my plan has been just to make videos. Um, because that way people can watch them anytime they need. And, you know, um, I can reach all of the schools I support and schools outside of my area, uh, hopefully. And my, my desire was to try to make them very, 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 very short because I figured nobody has time with everything else going on right now. And so, so far I've done, um, three different topics. Uh, I said Screencastify. So if you want to uh, use Screencastify to record your screen, to make uh, video lessons. Um, I, I did a, um, uh, I think it's about a 12 minute video on that where I tried to say, okay, if I can squeeze every single possible thing in that you need to know about Screencastify, how short can I get it? And so I got it down to 12 minutes and uh, that hopefully should get you or your staff or anybody or students, if you want students to be recording themselves to submit things, uh, please feel free to use and reuse that video anywhere you need. Then I did a series on Google Classroom. I do plan to add more to this series. Um, this was just the first set of videos. I tried to hit what's really, 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 really critical. So it's how to create a classroom, add students, post to the stream, add materials, create an assignment, how students complete assignments, and how to grade assignments. So this um, sixth one, how students complete assignments, this is actually a good one to give to your students, where most all the rest of them are more teacher-oriented. This one would be great for a student to see exactly how to access assignments and complete assignments and submit assignments. Um, but again, three minutes, seven minutes, somewhere in that range for each of these. And uh, let me know other topics that you're interested in. And I plan to add more of them. That was just the first round on Classroom. And then the same thing with Google Meet, because it seemed to be a pretty common topic. People wanting to use Meet, start meeting, invite people to a meeting, join a meeting. The join a meeting would be very good for students. Again, that's one if you know, the teacher needs to know how to start and invite people, but the student may need to know, well, how can I join that meeting? What are the different ways to do that? The basic use and features, that would be good for students and teachers. Anybody could benefit from that. How to record a meeting would be good for you as a teacher. And of course, the latest one I just added last night was the grid view extension. That one was a little bit more uh, sophisticated. Um, 
uh, it's only six minutes, but I went ahead and actually broke it out into its own uh, blog post as well, just so you can walk through the steps if you need to see them there as well. But what it does is it lets you do like the Brady Bunch sort of a grid view um, inside of Google Meet, which normally the most you can get is four people at once, unless you're doing the little film strip on the side, but usually only four people. Well, with this extension, you can see everybody, as many people as you have. It just makes them smaller and smaller and smaller and fits everybody in. And it's a, a pretty nifty um, extension. So that's what I've spent most of my time on is trying to develop those video resources to uh, help people. Um, and um, that's probably what I'm going to be doing for the next month. <laughs> so let me know if there's topics that are most pressing. Uh, I've got some ideas, but uh, certainly would, uh, uh, would welcome any suggestions um, on other things. I think I might do one on um, accessibility and accommodations for students at home, you know, the text-to-speech, speech-to-text things. You know, I may do a series on that, uh, but not totally sure. Um, so those are the main ones that I wanted to mention. Uh, there's a couple other fun links here if you want to look at some of those, but uh, Stephanie, let me uh, turn it over to you. Uh, what were some of the show and tell things that you wanted to highlight? Um, so I put in a ton. I'm not going to get to all of it, of course. Um, Star put in the chat there real quick, Eric. She said that you created a training for new users in the office for calendar, Gmail, and so on. Could you reshare that link? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I know what Star is talking about. So, okay. um, yeah. So I think what you're referring to is at my work where I work, um, and I never even put this on my, maybe I, I, I might, eh, I guess I could still put it on the blog. It was like, yeah, I, I had created videos just for where I work because we finally transitioned completely to G Suite. We've been using G Suite for like eight years, but we still had Microsoft um, uh, Outlook and Calendar. And we said, hey, we're going to, completely switch over to Gmail and calendar. And so I did a series of videos on using Gmail, using calendar, using things like that. And um, I, um, yeah, I'll be happy to put those back. And I think I probably did share them in an earlier agenda. Uh, that would have been in the fall back when we were making that transition, but I would be happy to um, put those in the agenda here as well. I'll, I'll look those back up and add those in. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so the first two links are from collaborative notes from OETC, and then we did a meetup. So we actually took a couple photos. So if you want to see those photos, there is a Google photo album. Also, people like took photos of different resources of the different sessions at OETC. So feel free to look at any of those resources. Um, again, that was our meeting last month. It was more of a social hour. Um, but yeah, there's tons of photos in there. You can get the links off of those photos. And then I think the last photo that was added or close to the bottom is our photo from our meetup. And there was different photos that we took too. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so great. There it is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, it was a great turnout. We had fun. Um, yeah, it was a great, I had fun. So it was oh, yeah. good it was to meet wonderful. everybody. Thank you for organizing that meetup. Yeah, it was great to meet everybody in person um, rather than just virtually on Twitter or through this chat. So thanks everybody that was able to come to our meetup. And, and maybe, some, maybe someday we'll be able to see people in person again for real. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I'm missing people. Um, the next one was a collaborative notes. So from the conference, if you wanted to see any of the conference sessions, um, all the notes are listed on the spreadsheet. We just shared it out at OETC and people just added links to it. 
So feel free to steal any of those resources again, um, and you can get all of that information. Excellent. Yep. And then the next resource that I wanted to just talk about, I'm just going to talk real quick on um, yeah. inbox zero and there was a data studio webinar. Those two webinars were um, held and they were just posted on Twitter for whoever wanted to join. And we might try to team up with some other GEG groups. And it just has the video if you wanted to see how to get to inbox zero and how to use data studio, which I didn't know a whole lot about data studio. So I really suggest you watch that webinar because Chris Smith did a fantastic job going over it. Um, I still need to explore a little bit more, but we're gonna be partnering up with other GEGs around the world and probably try to do a couple of these other webinars um, that are more geared to one G Suite tool. And again, it was really good. Um, and it was fun to connect with other people from outside of Ohio. So if you wanna watch those resources or sign up for those, just kind of look out for them on Twitter. Um, feel free to follow me. I'll try to tweet them out as I find them. And yeah, we just partnered up with a couple of other GEGs around the world and connected and have been finding experts in the field to help us with these webinars. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, the next couple are about like distance learning. So again, Eric talked about the grid view. Nod is another really good extension. Um, it's down towards more of the bottom, Eric. Yeah. Um, this one allows you to see how your students are feeling and if they're understanding the content that you're sharing with them. So they can raise their hand. They can add a smiley face if they understand. Um, yeah, if you go to the, there we go. And it just pops up on the corner and you can say, okay, this student's raised their hand, you can come off mute to help with that classroom management piece in Google. And it also allows students to say, hey, I'm confused. And they just click that smiley face that shows confusion and it pops up on your screen and you can then slow down or re-explain the concept to them. So something you might wanna add, but everybody needs it. So your students will need this extension and so will the teacher in order to see um, how the students are reacting. I've gotta try that one out, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, and then one of my friends, Clay Smith, he is amazing. He is like my coder. I ask him to code everything and anything that I think of. He has just coded um, Google Meets attendance. So that link is somewhere. Down here, right. meet yes. attendance. Yeah, so he just came up with this, I think yesterday. Um, you click it and it will take attendance for who has attended the Google Meet. And again, the teacher just needs to install this one. And this is his like blog post about it. Um, well, that's wonderful. And it will take all of the people in the Google Meet to a spreadsheet and um, you have record of who attended your Google Meet. Because before I was saying, hey teachers, use a Google form, have the kids complete the attendance that way. But no, now you just have to go to this extension and it will collect it for you. And it's right now like kind of in beta, so it's not approved by Google yet. So you have to say, yes, it's okay that it's unsafe. So just know that it is okay to use. Um, it's just kind of still in the unsafe realm if that makes sense. And there's directions at the bottom of this by Luis um, that walks you through how to use it. Okay, oh my goodness, that's awesome. So another really good extension to check out. 
Um, and he's, of course, making it better as he gets feedback. So keep providing those feedback to everybody because they will make it better if we just keep telling them what we want. <laughs> yes. Um, that was like about like those were the main things I wanted to talk about. And of course, there's other resources in here. So if you need any help with any of them, just reach out to me um, and feel free to share or ask questions. Um, I love that our GEG shared in the community area. Um, yes, I saw that. We got, yeah. So um, all kinds of resources. So Anthony, who used to be my partner in crime, um, that uh, St Stephanie has uh, has <laughs> has taken the place of. Um, and uh, I don't know how many folks know Anthony, but uh, great guy. I used to work with me there at Spark. Um, uh, shared um, uh, his online resources as well as some stuff on cooking, <laughs> so uh, which is which is very important. And then talks about spreads uh, sheets con twenty twenty the online recordings from that. In case you missed that, Ben Collins is a wonderful spreadsheet guy. Love Ben um, and some other great resources there. Um, looks like a bit uh, shared a number of things. Yeah, and I think he also put that loom is free forever <laughs> um so make sure you guys check out that you just have to email them i did it and it was super easy why just why yeah up, why not yeah take yeah, advantage of that they set up my whole domain i didn't even push it out to teachers i just kind of signed because i was like teachers cannot take one more thing right now yeah um so just email them and they'll set you up it took about two days that's great to know thank you um, Very good. Trying to think. Yeah, he um, also shared the automatic um, forms. That's really cool too. You guys might want to try that out. Um, it takes a PDF and makes it into a Google form. Okay. Oh my goodness. I, I'm going to be taking days to go through all of the resources in here. <laughs> this is going to be a, uh, oh, that's what's great about this. You can keep coming back and checking off the links. Awesome. Looks like Tara Brown um, shared a link to an awesome digital weekly planner from Slides Mania. And you can insert multimedia files into the slide deck and you're ready to go. Slides Mania is great. I, I do. They make some great uh, templates there. And so there's a weekly planner from Slides Mania. And Peggy, oh, Peggy's been with us for uh, many years here in our GEG meetings. And it's always such a pleasure to have her here with us. Um, great tip. Um, from a superintendent in Arizona, how to create a Zoom document camera and excellent resources from Larry Fralazzo. I love Larry. He's another one of my uh, blogs I have subscribed to in Feedly. Uh, he pulls so many great resources together. He's got a, um, uh, a best, all of his best list related to supporting teachers uh, during the coronavirus. A one minute, some one minute tutorial videos uh, from Zoom and some other awesome resources from Zoom for supporting you during COVID-19. All right. Um, I added one more silly in there. You know, tomorrow is April Fool's Day. Yeah, I know. And isn't it sad that, I totally get it, but I almost put it in the agenda. <laughs> I didn't, that Google did officially cancel their April Fool's jokes for this year. Mm -hmm. I love their April Fool's jokes. They're just so wonderful, but they totally, 
you know, read the room properly and said, no, now's not the time. We don't want somebody in any way thinking we're making light of anything, let alone take something seriously and it becomes an issue. And so they're not going to do their April Fool's things. But uh, go, tell us about this, Meredith. I'm just posting online for on all my social channels for my school tomorrow that, okay, guys, you, we, I need your help. I'm going to have this, you know, as the words, I need your help. We still have to do fire drills. So I need everybody to participate in our original fire drill. And then I'll put, you know, dot, dot, dot. Cause I know it's the parents that really check our social channels, dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. Parents feel free to use with your kids if you'd like. You know, oh just my gosh. The sacred says you have to go outside. So. It's a virtual fire drill. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So just for fun. Oh my goodness. Well, um, well, let's do this. Let me go ahead and I will um, do just a couple of quick reminders as we start to wrap up. Uh, Stephanie, if you see anything else in the chat or in the comments or something that we missed, uh, let me know. But um, while while we're looking for any of that, I just want to um, do a couple quick reminders. Uh, one is if you did not get a chance to sign into the meeting, uh, please uh, again, look uh, near, I think it's page two of the agenda under important links, you'll see the Google user group sign-in form. This is a very short Google form just for your name, email, uh, where you're from, the date, um, and um, if this was your first time attending, this allows me to generate certificates of attendance for the meeting and also report numbers to Google so they know how many people have attended our meeting. Um, I would encourage you again, if you haven't, to join the email distribution Google group for GEG Ohio so you can stay in touch with us in between the meetings, asking questions, sharing resources, and staying plugged in. And of course, as always, uh, head over to the GEG Ohio website at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio, where you can go in and check out the meetings. Looks like um, we're planning for an April 30th and May 28th uh, meetings for the next uh, two months. We can, sometimes those times and days get adjusted. So definitely check back as we get closer to those dates in case we have to make any adjustments with those based on schedules. Um, other than that, Stephanie, anything else to add for the meeting? Um, just thank you, Meredith, for joining. All of those resources were amazing. I cannot wait to share the fire drill with staff because I think that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, check out the podcast if you guys want to. Make sure you share with other members or people that were unable to attend and then reach out to anybody that shared a resource and tell them thank you or Ask them for more details if you need help. All right. Well, thanks again to Meredith. Thanks as always to Stephanie. And thanks to everybody who has joined us live and shared so many great resources and questions and answers. And for those that are watching this recorded, uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to watch this as well. We would encourage you to join us in the future and stay plugged in and be safe. Um, ask Google to play the hand-washing song for you <laughs> and everybody stay safe and we'll see you next time. Take care.